As you find your seats, let's turn to where we've been turning for a long time, to the book of Ephesians. But take your bulletin and open up the Bible into Genesis, and we're going to kind of begin there this morning. Good morning. How's everybody this morning? It's so good to be with you. I'm so proud of our uh, sixth grade choir. What a great job they did. Did they not do a great job? That was awesome. So proud of that. What a privilege to be a pastor of a church with so many young people, with a great uh, Christian school, student ministry. It's just so exciting what God is doing in our midst. A few weeks ago, I had the privilege of uh, touring a Christian college with our senior in high school. And as we were making the tour of the college, it kind of began at the admissions office. Little video, a little bit of information about the college. And very quickly, the admissions director said that our college will help equip your son for the workforce. Help equip him, uh, be prepared to do that what God is calling him to do in the workplace. And then she went on to cite an example. She said, you know, uh, maybe someday he will be uh, applying for a job, let's say at Harris Corporation. And she kind of paused and she said, well, not that God is interested in what company he works for. Wow. And I know what I think she was trying to say, but it really caused me to pause and to say, does God have a care about what company my son will work for? Does he really care? It really begs the question even beyond that, what is God's feelings, what does God care about the workplace? I mean, is that just something that he's not really interested? He's interested in church, he's interested in us, but when it comes to the workplace, he's kind of hands off because the question begged that, that, that question to me came to my mind, begs an answer. Does God really care? Does God care about where you work? Does God care about what you do? Because listen, if God doesn't care about what company you work for, how do you prepare him for it? Right? Doesn't really matter. What are we preparing him for? And I, I really believe there's a great confusion when it comes to us as Christians is what is our call in the workforce? What is our call in the workplace? How does God want us to operate? How does God want us to see work? More importantly, how does God view our work? And I think that we will be very interested in the answer. And i got to begin by saying, I think there's a lot of bad information in the Christian church when it comes to understanding God's perspective of work, our work. And there's some really good news. Is it really that's beyond that? It's our calling. And how does God fit into our calling? Many of us see work as uh, that necessary evil. Work is that necessary evil. It will help us uh, uh, reach a lifestyle uh, that we would like to live and pursuing maybe that American dream. Many of us may see work as uh, something that might help us to aspire to a position of respect and authority. But again, what is God's view of all of this? Is there a Christian work ethic? 
As Christians, is it different for us? And what is it? Well, as we've been studying the book of Ephesians, we see that Paul has for us, the Apostle Paul, inspired through the Holy Spirit, he has for us some real practical things when it comes to our lives and how we are to live them. As a matter of fact, now he's going to come to work. And he's going to tell us very practically, very pragmatically, how we are to view work in God's eyes. But just like we have done with marriage, we just spent three weeks with marriage, and we've also talked about parenting. In both of those incidences, we wanted to go back and say, what's the big story? What's the big story when it comes to a certain topic? Remember we talked about marriage, and we said there's this puzzle of marriage that really revolves around a bigger puzzle of God's plan for us and His love for us and His rescue of us in Christ Jesus. And for us to understand marriage, we have to understand God's Word because it begins and ends with it. But for us to begin to understand work, we also have to go back to the beginning because in the very beginning, God is going to create us to be workers. God is going to create us in a certain way. And so let's begin today looking at God's holy and errant word from Genesis to Revelation. It's all his. Uh, There's no parts that are more his. There's no more parts that are more authority. We have to listen to all of it. And all of it tells us an amazing story of God's rescue. And all of it tells us how God's purpose is for our life. And I know the truth of many of you. Many of you might now, right now may be looking for a job. Many of you right now may be in a dead-end job. Many of you may hate your jobs. Many of you may be saying, I love what I do. But wherever this morning finds you, God has you here for a reason. Because He wants to show all of us what is His plan when it comes to work. So let's begin with the beginning. Let's start with Genesis. We're going to start in Genesis 1, first chapter, looking at verses 26 through 30. We'll look at one verse in chapter 2, uh, 2.15, and then we'll turn to our text in Ephesians, Ephesians 6, verses 5 through 9. The big picture, my brothers and sisters, from God's holy word, Genesis 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and everything creeping that creeps on the earth. Pardon me. So God created them in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. And fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, Everything that has the breadth of life, God's Word says, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. Let's look at verse chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to what? To work it and 
to keep it. Now turning to our passage for today in Ephesians, Ephesians 6, verses 5 through 9. Slaves, obey your earthly master with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. Masters, do the same thing to them and stop your threatening, knowing that it is he who is both their master and yours is in, and yours in heaven and that there is no partiality with Him. Let us pray. Father God, again this morning we have come to worship You, and we've come to hear from You. So Father, we ask with boldness, because we're Your children who have been cleansed by the blood of Your Son, the Lamb of God, clothed in His righteousness, we boldly come and say, God, Speak to us afresh. Father, would You come in such a manner that You would be pleased to speak through a broken, frail sinner like me. Father, forgive my sins. There are many. But God, for Your glory and for the beauty of the church and for the kingdom that has come, that is advancing, would You speak boldly, clearly into our ears. Give us ears to hear. Spirit of living God, would You illumine our minds to understand Your Word and Your calling on each one of our lives. Dispel the darkness. Because we're Yours and You love us, would You wrap Your hands around our hearts and would You again give us a heart of flesh, a a heart of faith that beats for You and Your truth. And Father, would You empower our feet so we walk in a manner worthy of this great Gospel, this good news that God loves us and calls us to Himself and now wants to use us. You want to use us to accomplish Your plan for the earth. Because that is true and because we are Your ambassadors, God, You'll have to come with power and cause our feet to walk in Your truth. The things that I say that are wrong are merely my opinion. May they quickly fall away and be forgotten. May you and you alone receive glory. May we receive great challenge and great joy. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're going to begin this morning by kind of looking at an overview, really coming from the book of Genesis, but throughout Scripture, is God's design for us as workers. And let's begin there. And if you want to follow along in your bulletin, uh, the outline is there for you. I forgot this week to... uh, comment which words I want you to fill in so it's all there for you. So no work today, um, but do follow along if you would like. But the first thing is this, we are workers designed by God and for God. The the sedentary life, this, this life of leisure, this life of this dreamy life of just relaxing and, and not having to go to work and, and not have to uh, labor, this life of longing for maybe a beach somewhere and, and waves rolling in and just relaxing, maybe a hammock, maybe a nice cold iced tea, 
This, this life of leisure is not the life that God has designed for us from the beginning. From the beginning, we were not created for that. We were created to work. That's how He created us in His image. God is a worker, an amazing worker. He created everything out of nothing. But as God is a worker and God is creative, He has made us in His image to do the same, to be workers for His glory. we got to begin with the realization that work in and of itself is not evil. Work in and of itself is not evil, but evil has gotten into our work. God created us in His image. He put us in a place called paradise in the Garden of Eden. He tells us to fill the whole world with His glory, to have rule and reign over everything. We had fellowship with God. It was amazing, but we were still workers. And as soon as we fell from Him, as soon as we rebelled, a consequence of our rebellion is that the ground was cursed. That which God has caused us to do and to till and to work is now difficult. It's by the sweat of your brow that we are able to produce a living. And that has been more true these days than ever, is it not? It's a part of the fall. It's part of the realization that that work itself is not evil, but evil has gotten into our work. Why is it so difficult to get up on morning, Monday mornings? Why is it so difficult to get people to agree? Why is it so difficult for there to be integrity in the workplace? Why is it so difficult to produce a living? Why is it so difficult to keep your 401k from slipping? It really all goes to the, the reality we live in a fallen world. And it's going to be difficult. But God has called you to work. And work in itself is not evil, but evil has got into the work. Before the, before the fall, when we were made in God's image and created for paradise, we were called to work for the Lord. You ready for this? Paradise included work. Paradise included work. I mean, God didn't say, I'm going to create this Eden. I'm going to stretch out a nice hammock for you and kick back and enjoy No, immediately he says, I want to put you into this garden to do what? To work in it. And to make the whole earth like this garden. That was always God's design. Think about this. It was always God's design that the entire earth be the Garden of Eden. He could have made the entire earth the Garden of Eden. He gave us the great joy of of changing this world into a place that was inhabitable with God and man. That's our calling. That is Our purpose. So paradise included the work, but since the fall, work is very difficult. It's going to be by the sweat of our brow. But Jesus has come. And we look at redemptive history. We started in Genesis, and we see that in the beginning, even in paradise, that work was there, that work is not evil. But now we know that we live in a fallen world way back in Genesis 3. But way back in Genesis 3, there was a promised seed that will come, a promised Messiah that will make all things new. And He has come, and His name is Jesus. And His work is complete and still ongoing, amazingly. Uh, He has paid for all of our sins. But He said this, Jesus said, I've come to make all things new. I've come to make my sheep new creations in Christ. I've come to take away that old nature of sin and death and to give life and mercy and grace. And I've come to restore things to what they are supposed to be. And so what did He do with us? 
He has recreated us in Christ to be the workers that God always has intended us to be. Ephesians 2.10 says this. As we've made our way through Ephesians, there's this high watermark in Ephesians 2.10. It's an amazing uh, uh, verse if you want to look at it. It says this. It says, in Christ Jesus, we are his workmanship. We are of all of all of creation is his workmanship. I mean, all of creation points to his beauty, his majesty, his power, his authority. But in all of creation, those who have been made new by the work of his son were his masterpiece. We're his children. We're those who were dead and made fully alive in Christ. We were those who were alienated, who have been brought near. We are His workmanship in Christ Jesus. Why? To do good works that God has prepared in, the, in, in previous years, in the, in the olden times for us to walk in them. So here's the bottom line. Jesus has come to rescue us, to give us life and life eternal. Jesus has come to give us fellowship with the Father through the work of the Son and the power of the Spirit. That is such good news. But Jesus has come so that we can do that which God always intended us to do. Have fellowship with Him, love, and but work for Him. Work for His glory. What is it that God has always intended for you and me to do? We always want to say, what is my calling? What is my purpose? Especially with our young people. How do I figure that out? Well, ultimately, ultimately for each and every one of God's children, our calling is this, to fill the earth with God's glory. In whatever corner of the earth God has placed you, in whatever home, in whatever circumstances, in whatever situation, if you are a child of the King, If you are His, your primary job while worshiping Him and enjoying Him forever is to fill the earth with His glory. That is what we are here for. And so let's go back to Genesis. And God has created us in His image. And how did God create everything out of nothing? What did He do? Well, He brought light from darkness. He brought beauty into that which was void. He brought order into chaos. So now as His ambassadors, for those of us who have been reconciled to Him through Christ, what is ultimately our job bringing glory to the earth? It's to do that. It's to bring light and darkness. Is there darkness in your workplace? Is there darkness in the life around you? God has placed you there to reflect His light for His glory. Is there chaos in your workplace? If God has given you a mind to, to, to bring order out of the chaos, it may be collating things. It may be figuring out numbers. It's all God's design. It's to bring beauty. It's to bring beauty where there is void. It's to shine for Christ. So we were created to work, and we are recreated in Christ to do that work as well. Remember, I love saying this to you. We are God's A plan. We are His A plan. There's no B plan with God, okay? There's no, His God is unchanging. He's, he's immutable. His A plan was always to fill the earth with His glory. That's why He created this place, to fill it with His glory. And He chose for some amazing, mysterious reason to do, use us to do it. And now we have the privilege of doing that. We have been created to do it. We've been recreated to do it. So when we think of work, we've got to realize it's God's design for us. 
Let's get a Christian understanding of work. And it begins with this. The Christian understanding of work is for each of us as His children, for those of us by God's grace who have embraced Jesus as Savior, that we work for God. No matter what we do, Christians are called to do their work for God. God says, I want a great book on this. I highly recommend if you're wrestling with this and want more information, Oz Guinness, The Call, uh, will remind us. It's a great book. But Oz Guinness says this, you're not called to do something, ultimately, listen, you're not called to do something or go somewhere. As Christians, we are called to someone. We are called to someone. Be devoted to nothing above God. So here's the deal. Here's what he's trying to say. It's not about what you do. It's about whose you are. Right? And if whose you are is Christ, ultimately, that is ultimate in all of our lives, no matter what we do. So as Christians, and this, this is where I think the rubber hits the road, and this is where I think sometimes in Christendom we miss it. What does it mean for us as Christians to work unto the Lord? What does it mean for us to understand that God is our boss? Does that simply mean this? And for many Americans, for many Christians, this is what they think it means. Be moral. Have Christian morals. It doesn't matter what you do. Whatever you do, just do it morally. Because why? You're a Christian. I mean, how does that make you feel? Are you more excited about your job if, if the reality is, okay, now you're in Christ, the reality, whoever your boss is, you work for Jesus, now go do your job morally. Now, morally is a very important thing to do your job with as a Christian or non-Christian. But there's something so much more. You see, Jesus came and He says, I have come bringing God's kingdom on earth. The rule and reign of Christ has arrived on earth through the presence of Jesus Christ. And now He tells us that He wants to use us as His children and ambassadors to advance Christ's kingdom. You see, if we go to work tomorrow with just a moral mindset, if I'm His, therefore I must be moral, we miss the big picture of what God is doing. God says, I have come. I've come with my son to advance a kingdom that is mine. Your job, my job as ambassadors for whatever we do now is, has a kingdom mindset. Whatever you do tomorrow, if you're going to stay at home and raise your family, it is for King Jesus. And it's, it's more than just being moral. It's advancing Christ's kingdom, kingdom by raising Young men and women who love Jesus. Whether you're going to go teach tomorrow in a homeschool, public school, private school, it is to advance Christ's kingdom. If you're going to be a lawyer, a doctor, whatever you have, you have a calling on your life more than just being moral. It's to bring the rule and reign of Christ into the workplace as His ambassadors. Well, how do we do that? Be someone in love with Jesus and know that you're a sinner saved by grace and love your neighbor as yourself and where there's darkness, lovingly, winsomely bring light. Where there is a void, bring beauty. Where there is chaos, ask God to help you bring order. Listen, advancing Christ's kingdom is realizing that you have an agenda tomorrow at work that goes way beyond just being good. 
We're here to advance Christ's kingdom, and there's power in this. We're showing up to work tomorrow for King Jesus. Am I passionate about this or what? I just really believe that we miss this. You see, I've worked for immoral, immoral Christians before the ministry. I've worked for immor, immor, <laughs> immoral Christians. I've worked for Christians who have told their, their uh, clients lies, and I've watched them tell others lies. I've worked for pagans that were moral. I've worked for some pagans who don't embrace Jesus that were just really moral people. And God is certainly is calling us all of our life to be holy and blameless and without sin. But there's something so much more to this kingdom mindset. I remember very clearly that God opened my eyes to this. Uh, I was in a sales job here in Central Florida, a job I loved, a job I, I really appreciated. Um, but the reality was is that it was still in a fallen world. And I, and I knew that I had people around me that were cheating me. Have you been there? I knew oftentimes I wasn't getting a fair shake. I knew that the cards were stacked against me because I was trying to go and live this life as a Christian and do the right thing because God's called me to do the right thing. But I knew that the cards were stacked against me because I know that those who I was selling with, and really in sales it's against, to try to be the best and get the rewards of this life, I knew they were cheating So what do you do? And I remember God graciously reminding me that the entire territory that he had given me, the entire client base that I had, and all of the new uh, folks that I was going to go meet, and all the people I work with, that that was the corner of the earth that God called me to shine for him. And he reminded me, he says, you know what, Jeff, you're my ambassador right there. And it's not about your sales numbers. It's not about the bottom line, ultimately. It's about you shining for Jesus. And I could promise you this, when that epiphany came in my life, the next day when the alarm rang and I had to get up and go and do work, it was something new and fresh and vital because I had the chance to carry Jesus with me to people who really needed him. And when you look at it that way, when you look at the fact that what clients God has blessed you with or what work staff around you or wherever you are, if you see them as God's intentionally planning them in your life for His glory, if you see them in a higher calling that it's not ultimately about you, it's ultimately about Him and how you shine for Him, do you know you will be set free? Because you will realize that, man, God, my calling first and foremost is to love. To love you and to love them. To be faithful to you and to see them. And I tell you, it's an amazing thing. And I, and I long for that as your pastor and friend. I really do. That you can see whatever, whatever corner of the earth God has given you through the kingdom lenses that this God has blessed you with to be an ambassador. Shine for Christ Jesus. It's more than just being moral. Tomorrow morning, reign and rule for Christ wherever you are. We have to also realize that our work is sacred to God. All of our work, not just the ministry work. All of our work is ministry. And all of it is sacred to God. No matter what you do, we are all called to advance Christ's kingdom. Your job is God's calling for your life. Whatever it is, that's God's calling for your life. Your job is God's calling for your life right now. I don't like my job. 
I don't like who I work with. Your job right now is God's calling in your life. And listen, your job may change. We know that. Maybe by your design, maybe by someone else's design. Your job may change. Your calling never will. Your calling is to shine for Jesus. Your calling is to be an ambassador for Christ. Your calling is to fill the earth with his glory. That will never change. Your calling is clearly given to us by God. And your job may change. Your calling won't. Listen, we're all in Christian ministry. Do we believe it? You are all in Christian ministry. Even for those of you who are retired. You're in Christian ministry to shine for Jesus. I mean, there's not some of us in Christian ministries and some of us kind of support them. We all are. And I think it's so beautiful because God has you folks in some places that, of course, I could never get to. I'm amazed at where he's put this, this body of influence, this body of believers. And no matter who you work for, no matter what you produce, no matter what service you do, even for moms at home and for children, wherever you are, it's God's calling in your life to shine for him. And you and I are in Christian ministry. Do we believe it? Man, this world would turn upside down if the room full of these people said, you know what, I'm in, I'm in service for the king. I wake up tomorrow and I work for King Jesus. I wake up tomorrow and I got to advance Christ's kingdom. My job is to bring and fill the earth with his glory. What an amazing calling. We all are. Um, all of our work is sacred to God. This, this next point uh, globally is don't be disingenuous about your Christianity. Here's what I mean by that. I mean, Christians, according to God's work, uh, according to God's word, we realize who we work for and we're to do everything we can with our full heart serving the Lord. We should be the best workers. Maybe not the smartest, uh, maybe not the most gifted, but when it comes to working, we should work the hardest. And it doesn't mean that we don't, are out of balance. We should certainly stop and have Sabbath and rest and vacation. And we should never make work our idol. And we have a tendency to do that. And it shouldn't become the point where we're neglecting our family. But when the clock is on, Christians should be working. Why? Because we're working unto the Lord. And we should be serious about what he has called us to. And, and, and again, it just seems like sometimes we, we, uh, we want to trick people into becoming Christians, that we're working just to kind of as disguise. We're working as disguise to, for that opportunity to kind of spring on them that we're Christians. Working as a disguise to eventually let them know, hey, let me tell you about something eternal. That's very important and very good. But we shouldn't have to spring on anybody that we're Christians. We should work in a manner. Listen to this. We should work in a manner where they want to be Christians. We should work in a manner where the aroma of Christ, just by God's grace, because we love Him, we have fellowship in him, with Him, we're walking with Him, that others are attracted to Him. Tell me why you're different than me. We don't need to be disingenuous. Show up tomorrow at work. It's just in love with Jesus. Show up tomorrow knowing that He really did pay for your sins. Show up tomorrow knowing you really are an ambassador. And just be you. Good news, isn't it? Can you do that? Just be you and in love with Christ and see what he does. If you guys are involved in a multi-level marketing deal, excuse these next few minutes of me uh, um, just saying a few things about that. Because there's a lot of good stuff. There really is. But I'll tell you this. I will never, ever, 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 ever be involved in a multi-level marketing scheme. 
Not because they're evil in and of themselves. You want to know why? Because if I have the privilege of seeing you someday, and maybe it's a difficult time in your life, and maybe God's called me to show up in your life, and I'm there, I never want you to think, is he going to try to sell me soap? Is he really for me? Or is he really for something else? You know what I'm talking about? You see, I want you to know I have been called by our triune God to preach the good news of Jesus Christ in word and deed. And I am a fallen sinner who does a very poor job of that oftentimes. But there is no other distractions. I'm called to preach Christ. And so are you. And we don't have to be disingenuous and try to spring it on folks. Work hard at whatever God has called you to do. Be a great employee. An employee who loves Jesus. Okay, let's keep moving. Christian understanding of culture. And this, man, oh man, this is so important. Christian understanding of culture. Because this really separates a lot of Christians. What do we do with culture? I mean, we have great folks who believe we should shun it and, and, and avoid it, like the Amish or the Mennonites. What are we called to do when it comes to culture? Well, I think it begins with a Christian understanding of the cultural mandate. I read it for you. In the beginning in Genesis, God called, created us to be reflecting His image, to reign and rule over all the earth, to bring His glory. God originally called us humankind to subdue and reign over all the earth. And you ready for this? It is still true. It is still true. The great Dutch Prime Minister Abraham Kuyper once said this. Listen to this amazing quote. There is not one square inch of this entire creation about which Jesus Christ does not cry out, this is mine. This belongs to me. We need to realize that God has not changed His mind that we should fill the earth with His glory. He has not changed His mind that every square inch of this creation belongs to Him. He has not changed His mind that the reign and rule of Christ should be over all tribes, tongue, and nations. It will be. We are headed that way. And it's our job to make it so. So we have to enter in culturally and to bring the reign and rule of Christ wherever we are. What are we doing? We are preparing the earth for the imminent arrival of our King. We are to prepare the earth for the imminent arrival of our King. And I really believe that evangelicals have surrendered to the liberals the earth. That somehow we'll say it's, it's not our job. The earth, that we're just passing through. It's basically like the wrapper of a Big Mac. We're going to throw it away and get to the good stuff called heaven. That's never been God's design for us. He says, fill the earth with my glory. Take care of the earth. And not like some tree hugger mother earth, folks. But for those who realize we are God's ambassadors. Every square inch belongs to Jesus. Therefore, we are preparing the earth for the arrival of our King. Jesus is coming. This is His earth that He created. His reign and rule has begun here. And we are now called to prepare the way for our King in all that we do. And it matters. It's kind of like this. Uh, you know, can you imagine having your children just saying, well... I'm going to leave here for a little while. I'm going to go to the store and, and uh, I'll be back. And, and I, you come back and your kids say, well, I, I, we didn't think it mattered that we messed up the house. We didn't think it really mattered. I mean, you're going to come back and, and we'll, just, we'll just be messy. 
And I think that sometimes Christians have given up too much when it comes to understanding cultural mandate. God has called us to enter in. Prepare the earth for the king. If you are a parent and you find a babysitter who will do two things. Watch your kids and clean up the mess. Is that not the greatest babysitter ever? Find them, pay them handsomely, love them, and don't tell anybody else about them. Because you have found somebody. Because that's a Christian worker. You take care of what God has entrusted to you and you clean it up as you go along. It matters. Enter into the culture. Christian understanding of authority. Now we're really just finally getting to uh, Ephesians. And we'll, we'll go quickly just through some, some bigger thoughts. But Christian understanding of being under authority. And this is going to come from Ephesians 6, 5 and 6. We need to do this, Christians. Working with proper respect. <laughs> Paul says fear and trembling. And by the way, whatever you are with your work, Paul is dealing with slaves here. And they lived in a different time, in a different culture, and thank God we don't have them. But he says this, work with the proper respect. we got to realize that all authority has been established by God. I've tried to make that very clear in the last several weeks. Romans 13 says this, all authority is established by God. What happens if you have a crummy boss? What happens if you have a pagan boss? What happens if you have a moral boss? Well, according to Scripture, and listen, write this down if you're wondering with that, 1 Peter 2.18 says this, if they're good or bad, if they're harsh or kind, no matter what, you and I as Christians are to show them respect. How in the world do we do that? I mean, seriously, how do you show respect from one who doesn't deserve it? And you know what I'm talking about. You see Jesus. And you say, God, I don't have any idea why you put this knucklehead in charge. I don't have any idea why this person has any authority, but you're going to have to deal with that, and someday he'll be accountable to you. And if I believe you, and I believe you to be true, and I believe your word to be true, he is in my life for a reason. Or she is in my life for a reason. And obeying her is like obeying you. And having the proper respect of authority is having the proper respect for Jesus. That should make us so different. We shouldn't gather around the water cooler ripping apart the boss that no one likes. Because there's something different about us. Because we realize for some reason in God's sovereignty and and hand of providence, they're there. And that's light into darkness, my folks, my friends. That's it right there. That's being different. Working with a proper attitude. It says this, with a sincere heart. With all your heart. God is going to call you tomorrow to engage in work, not with just eye service, but with your heart. But does it really matter? I mean, how does making this widget advance Christ's kingdom? And I will not be able to dissolve that mystery completely, but I know the reality is this. Everything we do for Christ is to advance Christ's kingdom. Everything matters. As long as it can be, you know, sanctioned and legal. I don't have time to tell you about the time I showed up for a sales call and I found out that the business that was asking for our services was a strip joint. That was interesting. Stop thinking about it now. We've got to get back to the text, okay? With all your heart. Working with proper perspective. 
working as proper uh, perspective is this. As you would work for Christ. As you would work for Christ. Now listen, this is where the rubber meets the road. Man, I just want to jump up and down. I just, I wish I could somehow maybe put this in pill form and just say, we got to get this. We just can't miss this, okay? Now what does it mean to work for Christ? Now we can play pretend. Basically gods can say, let's play make-believe. Okay, you're really working for some uh, mean boss, but just make believe that you're going to be working for Jesus. Play make believe and you'll get through the day. That's not what the scripture is telling us. If we understand that we are ambassadors of Christ, if we get this kingdom mindset that we are to bring the reign and rule of Christ, if we really, truly are working for him, whatever we are doing, as tedious as it may seem, as small as it may seem, for God's glory is advancing Christ's kingdom. Does it make sense? It really matters to God. It matters. Because He wants you to bring the reign and rule of Christ wherever you go. It's not just playing make-believe that, man, my boss is Jesus. It's understanding that. Working without being self-serving. It says this, without eye service. It's an interesting combination. Paul uses a word, kind of invents a word, meaning eye slave. But I think this is the gist of what he's trying to say. We should work in a manner that God's eye is always upon us. And yes, a man's eye may not be. But no matter if man's watching or not, we're working for the glory of God. And we're not just performing for the praise of men. And we're not just performing for the accolades of others. And we're not just performing for a paycheck and status and a symbol. That we really are working for God. Because why? Even in our work sphere, my brothers and sisters, it's for Christ and His kingdom. It's not about us. Working with proper understanding of compensation. For Christians, here's the compensation that we long for. Here's the compensation that we need. You ready for it? Well done. Well done, my faithful servant. Well done. In Ephesians 3, it says, in the beginning we looked at this, it said that all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms are ours in Christ Jesus. We have riches in Christ. Are you kidding me? Our sins have been forgiven. Are you kidding me? We've been robed in His righteousness. Are you kidding me? We've been made joint heirs with Christ. One day we will reign and rule with Him, even over the angels. Are you kidding me? All that the Son of God named Jesus has earned with His obedience and righteousness, He fully gives to us. We have an inheritance that the economy can't touch. How many are 401ks or 201ks? But with God, there's no raw, there's no moth, there's no rust, there's no uh, worry that what we have entrusted to Him will fade away. The proper understanding of compensation. And then lastly, the Christian understanding of having authority. For those of you who have been placed in authority over others, there's these things. There's the golden rule for authority. The golden rule for authority. It's an interesting phrase that he says. Do, uh, do the same, basically. Paul is saying for masters, do the same. What does that mean? If you have authority of, over somebody, treat them the way you want to be treated. Love your neighbor as yourself. Care about their compensation package as much as yours. Care as much about their reputation as yours. Invest into them. Okay? So the golden rule of authority, treat others as you want to be treated. Not only that, the purpose of power. 
If God has given you authority, if He's given you power, the purpose of power throughout Scripture is to empower. If God has given you power, it's to empower others. Look at Jesus, the one who had all authority, all power in and of Himself. He disrobed and He would pick up a basin of water and a towel to wash our feet. If you are placed in a position of power, be a servant leader. That is bringing the rule and reign of Christ into your workplace. The proper use of power, the proper understanding of position. God says this, there's no favoritism. And he's the one who placed you wherever you are, gifted you wherever you have been gifted in ways you've been gifted. The proper understanding of position is this, is that God establishes all authority. And if he's given you authority, you report to him. And lastly, that we're all under authority. We're all under the authority, the authority of God. I wrote down, I think it's in your notes. I think the Lord gave this to me. It was uh, as I was writing my outline. It's important for us to leave with. Our identity should greatly affect our work. If you're a king's child, as an ambassador, our identity should greatly affect our work. But our work should never be our identity. Our identity is in Christ. That admission counselor that we talked about, I believe that they really are preparing students for the workplace. But we've got to realize that the workplace is, as kingdom ambassadors, our call to advance Christ's kingdom ultimately to be on God's agenda while being great employees for Christ. So Orangewood, tomorrow's wake-up call, it's your calling. You're serving a king. His name is Jesus. When the alarm goes off tomorrow, you're called to be an ambassador. Ambassador for Christ. When you go into your workplace or stay at home to be a homemaker, wherever God has called you, that corner of the earth, shine for Christ and bring the reign of rule of Christ where He calls you. Let us pray. Father, thank You for the amazing grace that You have given to us, not just to be Your children, but to be workers for the King. So many of us are caught up in mundane jobs. So many are looking for jobs. So many are just trying to figure out what you are calling them to do, to be. And Father, the reality is, is you've made us in your image to fill the earth with your glory. And our job is our calling. Our, our job may change, but the calling to fill the earth with your glory never will. Father God, for the glory of Christ and the advancement of Christ's kingdom, may we rightfully see who our boss is, what our calling is, And God, may we have the joy of knowing that we're doing so much more than just what a paycheck will give us if we're doing it for You. God, would Your Spirit powerfully press us upon all of our hearts so that Orangewood would understand that we're all involved in Christian ministry. All for the glory of Christ, we pray. Amen.